0: The church is here for is to lift up the name of Jesus to exalt him and all things to make sure that he is made much of in everything that we do. Amen. Come on, give God another hand of praise. He's worthy. (laughs) Glory to God. If you would open your Bibles with me to the book of First Timothy, First Timothy chapter 2. And as you are turning there. We dismiss our children the Kids don't. so if you are a child in here, not a child at heart, a child, you are dismissed. The rest of you are stuck with me. Amen. Glory to God. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Man. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. When you got it, say so. so. And it reads like this. It says, therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I am appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Lord, thank you for your word this morning, Lord God. Thank you for your presence in our lives and in our midst. And we ask you, Spirit of God, that you would open our ears this morning, that we would hear what you are saying to your church. I pray, Lord God, that each and every person in this place, Lord God, would be attentive to your voice for these next few moments and that we would not, Lord, just be idle hearers of your word, but that we would be faithful respondents and doers of it. Lord, may you utilize your word this morning to bring clarity, to bring comfort, to bring encouragement, to bring direction to us as your church as we live in times, Lord God, that are for sure difficult, Lord. We give you thanks for this and we pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So if you don't have an outline, do we have outlines? I I don't know. I don't don't see the ushers standing somewhere. Yes? If you you, you need an outline, just put your hand up, please, and that way we make sure we get you an outline. Thank you very much. We appreciate our ushers, don't we? Can we give a hand to our ushers? They work, and we just thank you for all of your service. Amen? Keep those hands up. These outlines are important. Um, Number one, you get to follow along in the beginning of the outline. Um, It's very important that you do that. Now, you can stick with me in the intro. Uh, Also, there are some questions in the outline that you can go through and you can answer for yourself and make you dig deep and probe, and that way you can go beyond just a Sunday morning. And then the other thing that I always encourage weekly is that we would be a disciple-making church. And one thing that is difficult sometimes for us is we don't know how to make disciples. And there's two aspects to disciple-making. One is the evangelistic side, which is the preaching of the gospel to someone who does not know Jesus and sharing that with them. And the other side of it is the development side, the edification side, which is helping someone grow in their faith. And so what I encourage you to do is, I always ask this question, it is do you have a person in your life that you are helping to grow in their faith? Because if you are not, then you are not, making disciples and all of us are called to make disciples it's not just the pastor's job it's not just the preachers jobs or the leaders jobs but it is the church's job collectively to make disciples and so my hope is that you can utilize what you hear on Sunday mornings as a a tool for you to help someone else grow in their faith so that is my prayer and my encouragement for you today and so this morning, you will notice, I don't know if some of you remember, but um, I, I, would, I preached a sermon on August 14th, August 14th this year, and it was a pre-election sermon. And today is a post-election sermon, and I figured I'm going to preach the same sermon because ain't nothing changed. We gonna go home now. Amen. Glory to God. Y'all already heard this sermon, so we are just gonna go home. Amen. I'm just saying we have a couple of guests. So for our guests, I'm gonna preach it again. I'm just kidding. For all of us, I'm gonna preach this sermon again. But here's the thing that I really, I, you know, I, I was. It's funny because God is so awesomely sovereign. You know, when you think about His wisdom, what I do is in the month of November every year, I started doing this a couple years ago. Is I pre- I prepare the preaching calendar for the next year, and so by the end of this month, I have my preaching calendar calendar prepared. I have the weekends that I'm not gonna preach. And all that stuff all lined up and always or typically you'll, you, you if you don't know this you'll notice next year I will not preach on the Sunday that has to fall around November 14th because it is a very special day for me it is the day that I celebrate becoming a daddy and my daughter deserves that attention to where I don't have to worry about a sermon on a Saturday night and unfortunately I didn't give you that attention so I'm sorry baby I do apologize but I don't have any meetings today amen so I'm all yours but here's the thing the, the thing is, I typically ask Pastor Aldo or Pastor Chad to preach for me. And so in our elders meeting a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Aldo, you know, he's going to school. This guy is like, you know, super up to here with homework and, and reports. And so he's at the end of the semester and all this. And, you know, he was like, man, you know, I don't know if I can get someone. And so I asked uh, my, my, my close friend, my mentor, Dr. Pete Owenson, if he could fill in for me. And he was already going to be somewhere else. But I thank God his beautiful wife came today, glory to God, to represent him. All right? She's not going to preach for you, but she's here represent him, um, brought a guest with her, and so we're grateful for that, but he couldn't do it, and so before I even received a response from him, I was feeling from the Lord, you know, Jason, this is me setting you up to preach a post-election sermon, and I didn't even know what was going to happen yet, right? I wasn't even sure what was going to occur. What happened was a shock for me. I was going to let you all know that right now. I didn't think that it would, you know, turn out the way that it did, but the reality is that we are where we are. And what I want you to know is that I, you know, I posted a bunch of stuff on, on Facebook. And one of the things I posted was a message from John MacArthur. It was a little excerpt on his pre-election sermon. And, and the one thing that John MacArthur said that I've never really said that that much from this pulpit, but I do agree with him 100%. And that we have gone the way of all nations. And we are simply a nation that is under the judgment of God. And I want you to know the results of Tuesday's election didn't change that. You say amen a lot stronger than that. Because, uh, because some, some Christians think that, you know, um, president-elect is like the representation of Christianity. That's not true. Some people, some Christians want to say that the Republican party is the representation of Christianity. That's false as well. The problem with us is that we put our eggs in those baskets and we think, hey, you know, this party represents Christianity, and this is the representation, and this party represents Christianity, and this is the representation. No, 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 no. We are the representation of Christianity. We are the representation of Jesus. We are the ones who are supposed to be out there preaching the gospel, sharing the truth. And so I wanted to preach this sermon again because I want you to know the things that I said here did not change. And just because something changed in the White House doesn't mean anything changes in the book or in where we are as a nation. You know, we desperately need, and this is what you should be praying. This is the one thing that I'm excited about about this election, one thing that I'm excited about. We can all agree that the person who's going to be in office needs Jesus. Amen. Amen. Because, you know, before it was like on the fence. You know, you say something and, you know, people are like, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. We all agree. He needs Jesus. And you know what that means? He needs our prayers more than ever before. That means that we can all agree, touching and agreeing in faith and believing for God to do something deep in this man's heart and that God will bring change. Because you know what this nation needs? This nation, I'm going to tell you what it needs. It needs a leader who would truly repent before God Almighty, who would truly acknowledge our rebellion collectively as a nation against the laws of God and who would humble themselves before God and say, Father, we as a nation collectively have sinned against you. We have rebelled against you. You and you are the only hope for this nation, it's not in any kind of party or any person for that matter. So, I hope that that's clear enough. But let's move on into the sermon that I already preached. I'm going to preach again now. If you look at the outline here, the first thing that I said was this There should be no question that we are living in the last days spoken of within the scriptures, nothing has changed. We see the love of self opposed to a love for God running rampant within our culture. Violence is on the rise. Terrorism is becoming a norm on our news outlets. And we have an election, it said it's coming up, but I put there just completed, that offers us the most terrible candidate options ever. Nothing's changed, y'all. My opinion never changed on that. My position on that never changed. We need to understand that we are living in these last days. This is the truth. This is the reality of where we are. And you know what I said when I, when I, when I preached this, the, the sermon originally? You know why we are in a place that we have the candidates to choose from that we, that we were supposed to? And I got to say this as a side note. You know, Sean is hilarious. And he posted probably the funniest post I ever heard. He said, I don't know why people are mad now. There should have been riots when we had the two candidates. Hello, somebody. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, can you laugh about something like that? Like, you know, we get so tense, and we get so upset, and we get so worked up about things. But, you know, let's laugh. Let's just move on together. I mean, there's there's no point in crying over spilled milk. I'm just saying, right? So, you know, but the reality is that we are living in a day and in a time where, you know what the problem is? The problem is the church has stopped making disciples. Are you hearing me? We have stopped doing what we're supposed to do. And therefore, people are moving into positions of authority that should never have the opportunity to serve this nation. Are you hearing me? It's a lack of discipleship. It's a something that we are supposed to be doing in the church. And so I hope you understand that. Sadly, second paragraph here. Sadly, this is the reality within within which we live. But gratefully, this is not the end of the story. And by faith, this doesn't have to be the end of the life and influence of the church in the culture. Are you hearing me? No matter where we are, we are in a place where the church needs to continue to be a light and be a voice. You know, I was so, um, I was so saddened when I, when I heard, um, I, got, I got a text from Anthony Gonzalez. You know, he's part of the evangelism team. They go out there on Friday nights to preach. And this was a rough night for them to go preach. Because what, 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 what the idea was, they couldn't talk about Jesus. They had to talk about president-elect. They, they, had to, they, they had to defend themselves that, listen, I'm not a, you know, Trump is not my Jesus. That's what they had to defend. They, they, they couldn't talk about Jesus because somehow it's been portrayed that every single Christian is just on the Trump train. Hello. It's a sad reality. We're about Jesus. Is that not? That's why I said, I love that. We ended our time of worship. Let our king be lifted up. Let our King be glorified. That's what we have to be about is glorifying our King, making sure that the world hears about Jesus. And we need to stand firm and just say, look, we're not here to preach a a, a, a platform of a party or anything like that. We are here to preach Jesus. That's what this is about. We can have some conversations for sure. on offline, we can talk about it. We can have all kinds of conversations and discuss. We can debate. We can, we can do all that stuff. But you know what we need to do? We need to be wise and make sure that we are out there preaching this gospel and being the influence. Because you know what all this, can I tell you something? The bottom line is what the enemy wants. The enemy is targeting souls. That's it. Please understand this. At the end of all of this that we're reading here in this text, it all boils down to one thing. that, That God wills that all men would be saved. Can I just jump ahead in my notes for a moment? That God wills that all men would be saved. Do you know what the enemy wants? He wants all men to be damned. He wants all men to be separated from God. He wants all men to experience the same separation from God that he is going to experience and is experiencing now for all of eternity. He wants to take as many people as he can with him on that train to hell. That's what he wants to do. And we as a church need to recognize that our job is to be the voice that communicates life to a world that desperately needs it. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so last thing here on your outline is we must see the calling upon the church to prayer, transform living, and evangelistic partnership with God in the culture as our mandate and the only hope of our nation. Can I get an amen to that? We have to see that we've been called. to these three things that we see in this outline. And again, I want to reiterate: you can go back and you can go to the podcast. You can go to 8:14 and you can look up that sermon and listen to what I preached then. Listen to what I communicated then. Listen to the same thing that I'm going to say to you today. I mean, I'm not going to say the exact same words. Because I didn't listen to the sermon so I could repeat it verbatim. But ultimately, I want you to know that this is the call upon the church: that we are prayerful people, that we are a transformed living people, and that we are a people who are preaching this gospel with ceasing and without fail, and that we major on that. I said this last time. I said, I'm, I firmly believe that God is not interested in saving America. He is interested in saving Americans. You understand the difference? God, God, God is not worried about saving the United States of America. I think I said this last time. I'll say it again. You know, Jesus is not on the throne crying when someone sings the national anthem. You know, I know you do. You know, I know sometimes, you know, someone sings it really well. I mean, you know, sometimes when they sing it bad, I cry as well. But here's the thing. The truth is, you know, sometimes you, I I don't know about you. I'm just, I can only speak for me because I don't know where you're at. You know, I'm not like this big patriot guy or whatever. But, you know, when someone sings, you know, sings a national anthem, you know, I get chill bumps. You know, I don't necessarily cry or anything like that. But I feel my hairs, you know, the few that I have, you know. (laughs) standing up, you know, the other day, the other day, I, the, the other day there, there, I was in a situation where, listen, anyway, I, I, was, I, th- I said, my hairs grew just so they could stand up. Hello, somebody. I mean, you know, it wasn't over the national anthem. It was over something else. But, but here's the thing, you know, we all get our goosebumps and, you know, we get all patriotic and you feel good, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Jesus is not on the throne saying, oh my goodness, that's so amazing. He's not, he's not doing that. He's unmoved by that. He's not, he, he wants to save Americans. He died for Americans. He died for people. He died for every tongue. He died for every nation. He died for all peoples. That's who he died. The gospel is supposed to go out to all nations. I mean, this is what's supposed to happen. And so the reality is that we have to realize that, that that's what God is into. And so here's the thing. I said this, and I hope you get this. Our greatest sign of dependence upon God is demonstrated in our prayer life. Let me say that again. That's the big idea. Our greatest sign of dependence upon God is demonstrated in our prayer life. Listen, you can say I can say that I depend upon God, but if I don't have a prayer life, the reality is that is going to show in every other area of my life. But here's the here's the deal. When I am truly dependent upon God, I'm going to have a prayer life, a life where I seek the Lord in all of his majesty and who he is. So the first thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. We must engage in prayer as an action, not a reaction. We must engage in prayer as an action, not a reaction. I think that is one of the biggest issues that we have within our lives is that we are reactive in our prayers and not proactive in our prayers. We react, and you know, and the reason why we have such knee-jerk reactions to situations in our lives is because we are not proactive in prayer. In other words, we are not living a life in prayer. We're not living a life where we're walking with God in a relationship, and now my decisions flow out of that. No, 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 no. We are we are reactive to situations in our lives. And so the truth is this when the apostle Paul gives his instructions to the to, to Timothy on how the church should run, he ties in this exhortation in the first part here. Look at verse. One, just verse one. It says, "Therefore I exhort first of all. It's so important. I was going to title this message first of all, right? I was, I, I was going to type what I actually titled it was keeping first things first or something like that, because it's so important that we keep the things that need to be first, first. And so what we have here is we see he tells him, first of all, above everything else. And I like what one writer says. He says that it, it's, it's like Paul was saying, the most important point in my exhortation concerns the universal scope of public prayer. The most important thing, I've said this before, the, the most important, I mean, to, to me, the times that are so important for the church is those times when we come together to pray. When we have that time, I mean, it, it, it blesses my heart when I see this place full at 10 o'clock in the morning on Sundays, and we, get, and we circle up, and we pray together, and we cry out to God together. That, to me, is a precious time together. Oh, this is a precious time for sure when we get together in our Connect Life groups. One of the things that we have done in our Connect Life groups is we have changed from where we don't have that prayer time to where we have a time that is dedicated and devoted to prayer i hope all the connect groups are doing this because if not you're making me look bad hello but I know our connect group that is in our home, and we've communicated with everyone, we have a time, we get together, and the first thing we do when we open up in our time is, hey, do we have any praise reports, and, and, or do we have any praise or worship? And praise and worship can be a testimony of something God did, and maybe a psalm or a portion of scripture you were reading. It can be something that you just want to give God thanks for. And then we say, do we have a time for petitioning? And we say, okay, is there any petitions? Does anybody have any prayer requests? And then we go around, we share the prayer requests, and then I tell everyone, look, you know, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to... To open us up in prayer, but I'm not going to pray these requests. I'm going to let you pray. You know what? Because it's not just on me to pray. And then we have that time. Where we collectively allow the Holy Spirit to move and inspire us to pray one for another. My hope is that helps us to grow in our public prayer time together and our devotion to seeking God together because Paul is telling Timothy, he's talking to the church. These, these This book right here, in case you didn't hear it before, but 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, these, these are called past. Pastoral epistles. And the reason why they are called that is because they are written to the leaders of the church to instruct them on how the church is supposed to be run. That's what's in these books. And so you want to know how the church is supposed to be run? Read through these books and you will understand. Timeless blueprint for the church today. And so what we have here is Paul exhorting the church, saying, this is what you should be doing. He says that all supplication, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Not some men. Hello. That's what he says. So you know that difficult co-worker? Thank you, Jesus. I'm just saying. <laughs> You may not be able to thank for everything that they've done, but you can thank God for them. Lord, I thank you because they're part of my sanctification. Amen. They're part of me becoming more like you. They're part of me learning how to forgive. They're part of me learning how to pray because they make me pray often. Hello, somebody. Right? Right? They're part of me becoming who God wants me to be. Giving thanks, supplication, prayer, intercession. those it, it, It's saying complete prayer for those who, who need to be prayed for. And then he goes and he gives us, and, and, and he gives us in the second verse here, he shows us who we're supposed to pray for. But But here's the thing that I want you to consider. Two things I said, we must engage in prayer as an action, not a reaction. Firstly, prayer is not a last resort. Are you here? Prayers should not be a last resort, and for too many of it, uh, of it it is, and it is my firm belief, hear me when I say this, many mistakes, bad decisions, life-altering situations could have been avoided had folks been in prayer proactively. Are you here? This is the truth. If we would have simply spent time with God, we could have made some better decisions in certain areas of our lives. I'm talking about us individually. I'm talking about us as a people. This is what we should be doing. Secondly, prayer is never and should never be seen as that's all we can do. Are you hearing me? I said this before, and, and I, I want to drive this home again. One of the things that I can't stand when I'm talking to someone, a person of faith, is when they say, well, all I can do is pray. As, it's, it's like... Wait, who, who, who are you praying to me? Hello? Because if you were praying to me, yeah, that's all you can do is pray. If you were praying to, like, some person, then that's all you can do is pray. But do you understand that you are praying to the creator of all things? Do you understand that you are praying to the one who said, let there be, and everything became? You know, I told you all, I believe in the Big Bang Theory, just not the way that, you know, the atheists believe in. I I believe there was a Big Bang. He spoke, and things came into existence. Like, that is a reality. This is the one that we are praying to. This is the one that we are seeking for. This is the one who we are coming before with our petitions and asking him, Father, work in these areas of my life. Lead me in these areas of my life. Guide me in the areas of my life. That's the God that we're praying to. That's the God that we are crying out to. That's the God who we should be coming to. So it should never be that that's all that we can do. That is something that we can do, knowing that there is hope, that there is help, and that there is strength in the presence and power of a God that we're talking to. Amen? The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must see prayer as transformational. We must see prayer as transformational. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, for kings and all who are in authority, and look what he says, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. You hear that? So we're supposed to pray, we're supposed to give thanks for kings and all who are in authority. And again, we talked about this in the, in the pre-election um, um, prayer. It was us praying unto God for those who were in leadership, those who are presently in leadership, those who will be in leadership. That's what we're supposed to be doing. This is what the scriptures teach us to do. This is what the church should be doing. This is what we should consistently give ourselves to: is praying for those who will, those who are leading our nation, not just from the presidency, but all the way down to our mayors, all the way to our governors, to our senators, all of those things, our Supreme Court. We should be praying for those people in those offices. I mean, that's what we should. That's what the Scriptures tell us to do. That's not what I'm telling you to do. This is what the Bible says we're supposed to do. But then he he says something, and I love this, and is that, and and, and he says he says that we may lead so here's what he says he says pray for them so you change hello somebody pray for them so you change wait bishop hold on a second i thought i thought i was praying for my spouse to change glory to god you wondering why that's not working because you're supposed to be changing you see, God is waiting on us to change. He's waiting on me to come to the place of being quiet and peaceable and godly and reverent. Are you hearing me? He's saying, I pray for them so that way I change, so the way my heart changes. I pray for them so that way I can have a peace. And then when I'm a person of peace, you know what I become? I become a person who makes peace. Are you here? When, when I become a person who is quieted in my soul because I've been praying before God Almighty for you. Yeah, I'm asking God to change you, but I am allowing God to change me. Whenever I do marriage counseling, I always, always communicate to the couples. You need to start praying for sure for your spouse, but you need to start praying for yourself. You need to start praying that God would reveal to you where you need to humble yourself, where you need to repent, male or female, husband or wife. It is the same way for both. We both need to be introspective in our prayers and asking God, God, how do I need to change so I can honor and glorify you? And what Paul says here, he's talking to them about being the church that they're supposed to be. He's talking to them during a time when Nero is the king, a terrible, this this was not some cool dude who loved Christians. You want to talk about persecution? He hated Christians. Are you getting this? This is a guy that was burning Christians up, making them chandeliers. I mean, this is a guy that that, that was against, opposed to Christianity. And Paul is saying, pray for him. Pray for all of those who are in authority. Pray for them. Make sure you lift them in prayer. So that way, what? So that way, in the culture, you can be productive, God honoring, light bearing, gospel preaching citizens. That's what he wants us to be, is it not? See, none of this changes. He wants us to be the same people that we have been called to be since way back when before any, you know, before anything of a democratic republic ever occurred. This is what Paul says to the church. Pray so you can walk in that peace and you can be a peacemaker. Pray so you can have that quiet spirit. Pray so you can live godly. Say godly. So I can live a life that brings glory to God. A life that is reverent is what it says here. A life that reveres him. A life that honors him. That's what he calls us to do and I walk with him. And so Paul is communicating this. And what I want you to get is that God's power is made manifest in and through us as we seek his face in prayer for all men in general and, and also those who are in authority. And here's what I want you to understand. God changes us as he is in the process of accomplishing his will through those appointed to leadership. Did you hear that? Let me say that again. God changes us as he is in the process of accomplishing his will through those appointed to leadership. That's what he does. As we pray for them, he changes us, transform living. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, We must see prayer as a, par- as a partnership with God and the salvation of men. We must see prayer as a partnership with God in the salvation of men. And so what we find in verses 3 through 7 here is he says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. What's good and acceptable? What's good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, is that we pray, that we supplicate, that we intercede, that we give thanks for all men, for those who are in authority, and that we live a quiet, peaceable, and godly life that's reverent. It is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. This is what the church is supposed to do in times like this. All the time, at all times, we're supposed to do these things. This is what we're supposed to be given to so that we can live the lives that bring glory to God. And he goes on to say this. He says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And he goes on. He says in verse 4, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? Powerful statement here. Saying, I want you to pray. I want you to live godly. Last night we were at the Proyecto Alcanzar um dinner and it was they they gave me the privilege to pray for harvest the harvest of souls. And and what I what what I realize is that everything we do, you know, what I love about David and Dillaz, you know, and I said it last night, I say it here again, you know, I love the fact. I mean, these are people, you know, we you know, we know that we all live in different stages of our lives. You know, we 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 come to the point, you know, where we get to a place where you know we should retire. You know, and 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 you know I you know the debate on retirement. You know, like like you're not going to. Just the other day, I found out that Dr. Pete is 62 years old. I was like. What? I didn't even. Realize. I mean, I'm like, man, when I'm 62, I'm like, I want to be running and gunning like that. I mean, this guy is all over the place preaching, and I had no clue. But you know, nonetheless, my point is, this couple—they went ahead and they did what? They—they—they they, they were at that point in their life, and they decided that they were going to sell everything. It's time to retire now. We don't work a whole bunch of years sell everything and move to Honduras and start this orphanage and this school for kids because they saw the need that there was there. There was never any intention to start a church, but you know what the problem is? And this is a good problem. The problem is that they're gospel people. Hello. The problem is Jesus lives in them. The problem is that they can't just do good and not give glory and honor to God and not point you to the fact that, listen, I can teach you ABCs and I can teach you trades and I can teach you all kinds of stuff, but all of that's only gonna get you so far you need to know about eternity you need to know about the one who died for you rose for you, the one who lives for you you need to know about him and that's what we need to be as a people that realize that our God says that he wills that all men would be saved that's what he says and so when we live our lives the way that we're supposed to prayerfully and transformed then we become vessels through which the gospel can shine brightly that's what we become We become vessels through which the gospel can be heard clearly in the lives of other people. The apostle Paul calls the church into personal and public prayer for all men and leaders with the intent of changing the person praying as he governs the affairs of the nations with the desire that all men would be saved. Here's what I want you to get. Our prayer life and lifestyle must unify in the gospel and for the gospel. What does it say here? It says Jesus, look what he says. He says, for this, for there is one God, verse five, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ, who did what? Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So what does he do? He brings us back to this gospel picture. He brings us back to the reality that Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all. And so in the midst of the, and in what they're going through, hardship, persecution, difficulty, in the midst of all of that, what does the apostle Paul say? He says, listen, we need to focus on the fact that Jesus paid a ransom for people to be saved. you got to be prayerful. you got to live a godly life. you got to live a reverent life. And you have to make sure that that is your aim as it is mine. The apostle Paul was given to preaching this gospel no matter what it cost him, and it would inevitably cost him his life. If you read the book of Acts, the man knew that he was going to be persecuted, that he was going to be beaten, and he continued to move toward that, not away from that. Are you hearing me? He continued to move, he, he continued to move toward the prophetic words that were over his life. The fact that he knew that if I go back, when, if I go back to Rome, if I go back to, to, to the places where I want to go back to preach, man, beatings are waiting me. That's what he says. He said, but listen, I'm willing to do that. And we as Christians are supposed to be willing to do the same thing, are we not? We're supposed to be willing to live our lives fully and completely for the glory and for the honor of God because Jesus gave himself a ransom, so we should be living our lives for his glory. And so here's my closing question for you. Or Before I close here, I want to say this. Jesus paid a great price for the souls of men on the cross, and God is seeking men and women who will be, who will be given to prayer who he can fill with his spirit and send out as witnesses to a lost and dying world as light with a message of power combined with a life of power. That's what he wants. He wants to send us out as his sons, as his daughters. He wants, he wants us to go forward to be that light in the midst of this world. And so my question here today, and I asked this question a few weeks back as well, is do you see the connection to prayer, transformation, and evangelism? Do you see the connection? Do you see the connection to living a life of prayer, to living a life that's been transformed, and to living a life that is evangelistically focused? Do you see that? Because we need to see that in the Scriptures. This is what Paul is calling us to do. He's calling us to be those kind of people in the midst of this world. And it starts out with a life that is dependent upon God and prayer that is dependent upon God's grace, God's wisdom, and God's power. And so my question, my my closing part is, are you prayerfully dependent upon God or are you independent of God? We have to think about that. Am I a person that is really prayerfully dependent on God Almighty? I really believe that he has all things in control. You know, last week, we got on our knees together as a church. Y'all remember that, right? And I said something. I said, hey. I said, we need to come together. And I'm not, and I'm not fooled to think that every single person here believes the same. That would be ignorant of me. But I said, what we need to do together is we need to come together. We need to forget about our party affiliations. And we need to come before the throne room of God. And we need to say, God, thy will be done. Y'all remember that? And we prayed that, did we not? How many of you believed that prayer when we prayed it? Now, listen, I, 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 I think that that's so very important that we come back to that place because our dependence, again, is on God Almighty. That's who it is. We prayed to God. We said, God, that will be done. That's what, that's what we prayed, did we not? I mean, that, that is what we prayed. We prayed, your will be done. You be glorified in this nation. And you know what? Things fell where they fell. And so today, what do we do? The same thing we were supposed to do before the same thing we're going to do tomorrow, the same thing we're going to do until Jesus decides to come. We're going to be a prayerful people. We're going to be a transformed people, and we're going to be a people who are gospel-focused in all of our lives. Amen? Amen. Come on, stand on your feet. Let's pray together. And before we pray, I just want to say this. I was going to do a, uh, I sent an email to you guys, and I said that I was going to do a, a Q&A with some questions that people might have had. And the reality is I got four email responses. Um, one of them was non-consequential, there was no question. The other one was an encouragement to me and a thank you for the, for the um, email. And the other two were from the same family, and they had questions. And so I'm going to have a conversation with that family offline. If you have questions for me, then I'll, you know, we can have questions and we can have time to talk together. Um, my biggest thing is this, I have never and will never use this platform. As a political platform for anyone because it is not when we walked away from that 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 message that I preached to you I told you all the same thing and I will continue to say the same thing I told you to look at the party platforms measure it to the scriptures whichever one you feel aligns the best then you go ahead and you choose that way that's what I did I had someone text me and ask me hey who should I where should I go to get the information I gave them the same exact answer because that is as far as I'm gonna go from this pulpit about all of that because Republican Democrat Libertarian whoever I believe if we had a Christian party, it would still be jacked up. I'm just going to let you know. Just saying, right? We can't even get the church right, much less a political movement. I'm just saying. Glory to God. But I'm, so, so I'm not going to go and, and, and do a whole Q&A here. What, what, what I want to say is this. Romans 13 stands true. We have to embrace that. Because we either believe it or we don't. Whether we like the, 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 the outcome or not, Romans 13, all authority is established by God period that's it. period again this is written under terrible rulers and Paul is saying this and so we need to and, and I'm gonna call it we need to swallow that pill that's the pill that we as Christians have to swallow no matter if we like the person in office or not it does that, that's irrelevant to the conversation the truth is that we are supposed to be God honoring citizens in our culture No matter who's in leadership, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a voice to all of the violent protesters that that's not God. We have to be that voice. We have to be that voice to those who are communicating stuff and saying things that are wrong. We have to be that voice unto them. We have to make sure that they know that that's not right, especially if they call themselves Christian. I want to read something, and then I'm going to, before I read this, I just want to say for me, I said in the, in the email, if I offended anyone, that I wanted you to let me know. And here's what I want you to know from the depth of my heart. From this pulpit, when I preach God's word and you get offended, I can't apologize for that. I can't because God's word is God's word. God's word is going to create division. That's the bottom line. Now, on my Facebook page, there may be a little difference. And I'll, say, and I'll tell you why. Because on Facebook, I'm Jason. I'm not Bishop. And you may not like that. And you may not agree with that. And you may think that I should shut up. And I'm sorry. I don't feel that way. I feel like I should be able to voice my opinion. But even in that, I want you to know that I was very sensitive to who I am because I know that even though I'm Jason on Facebook, you still see me as bishop. And so I tried to be very, very selective on the, on, the, on the comments that I made and on the things that I said. But there was one mistake that I made that was gravely, and I repent before you for that. And I posted some liberals communication, and he dropped like three F-bombs in it. And on the beginning of the post, I said, disclaimer, you know, there is foul language. And I put in parentheses, very foul language or whatever I put. And then I woke up one day with a startling thought. And it was like, what if one of my nieces happened to be on Facebook and they clicked on Jason's page and they heard this foul-mouthed individual? And I realized that that was sinful. No matter what the point that was trying to be made, I was wrong. And so I confess to you that that was sinful. And for that, you can call me on. But for me having a different opinion than you, you can't call me on that because I'm entitled to my opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. I can't call you on that. And you know what, the truth of the matter is if I offended you personally because I did something to you, man, I am so very sorry. Please let me know so I can hug you and I can tell you I will never do something like that again. And I will never, I can tell you right now, I will never again post some craziness like that no matter how great of a point I think it is. Are you here? So that's my apology, sincerely from my heart. But I want to read something before we pray. And I thought that this was so wise. I tried to to share it on Facebook, and somehow when I clicked on it, it was deleted. But listen to this. Some of the most incredible people I know voted for Donald Trump. And some of the most incredible people I know voted for Hillary Clinton. The people that I know that that voted for Trump are not racist, misogynist, or hateful. And the people that voted for Hillary Clinton are not hateful and, and intolerable. If you are someone who woke up this morning and is going to start seeing people as who they voted for and not as the person you have always known them to be, then you are what is wrong with America. I will never think of any, of any less, I will never think any less of any person who has different views than me because some of the most beautiful, inspirational people I know will disagree with what I believe all day long. But at the end of the day, they are still that beautiful, inspirational person I have always known them as. Don't think less of people because some of their beliefs don't align with yours. And don't lose quality people in your life because you chose hate over love. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you with our hearts humble, And we do thank you for your grace. We do thank you for your wisdom. We do thank you for who you are. And, Lord, today we come to you as a representation of a nation that is broken, of a nation that is hurting. But we know this, Lord God, that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. We know, Jesus, that you died on that cross to to restore enmity between God and enmity between man. And the only hope for the racism that is in our culture, that is there, is, is that we share the gospel that reconciles relationships, not because of anything else, But the blood of Jesus Today Lord God We come to you Wanting to be the solution I know I do God wanting to be an answer to the hurt of this nation. This nation didn't start hurting last Tuesday, Lord God. This nation has been hurting for a long time. And as I said, Father, there's no question that we are a nation that is under your judgment for rebellion, for generations, for breaking of your laws and dishonoring your name. And so, God, we come to you humbly, repentant before you, saying, God, forgive us, please. Have mercy over this land, Lord God. Father, we do pray for our president right now. We pray that in these last days of his presidency that you would give him a heart after yours, that you would give him wisdom, that you would give him grace. Father God, I pray that the fears of many Americans, Lord God, that those would not be actualized. I pray that there would be peace, wisdom, and grace in his life. I pray that you would guide his cabinet, guide all of the members of Congress and the Senate. Lord God, lead them in the right way, God. Father, we do pray, Heavenly Father, for the president-elect. We lift him before you today. And there is no question in my mind that this man needs an encounter with you. There is no question in my mind that he needs to be delivered, Lord God, that he needs to come to know you as Savior and God, that he needs your wisdom and your grace, and so I pray above all that he would encounter your love, that he would encounter your mercy, that he would encounter your grace of salvation, and that he would be granted repentance, my God, and that he would turn to you, and I pray against every fear, Lord God, that people may have of him being in leadership in this nation. I pray that those things would not be actualized i pray that you would surround him lord god with more godly people there are already some around him lord i pray that mike pence would be a voice in this man's ear for the truth of the word i pray lord god that you would help mike pence to be a light lord god in the midst of this of this time lord jesus i pray father that you would glorify your name within this next next step of leadership in this nation god and, Father, we pray for our nation, my God. We pray for those that are unaccepting, my God. I, I especially, Lord, just want to pray for the church. I pray for those that have, that have waved banners, not my president, Lord God. What a, what a bad display of Christianity, God. Father, let them see Romans 13 as a place where they can find solace and hope in you, Lord God. And let them recognize that we need to be the answer, my God i pray for my christian friends lord jesus that have let politics be their religion my god i pray that they lord jesus would be able to repent of that that we as a church would recognize dear lord that politics are a part of our expression of faith not the expression of our faith lord i pray that you would bring healing to this nation as only you can and lord god i pray for mercy And I pray for what I prayed for, for for, since I can remember, Lord God, bring revival to this nation. Even in the midst of this time, bring revival to this nation, my God. Though we are under your judgment, bring revival to this nation. May we turn to you, God. May we turn to you to be our hope. Father, we pray that you would be glorified. Pray for your kingdom to come, Lord God. And for your will to be done on the earth as it is in the heavens. Jesus, great, great name. And everyone said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.